You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Isaiah chapter 1. I'm actually going to be preaching to you today from the book of Ezekiel. But we want to do a little background to help you understand the prophecy that Ezekiel will speak to us today. I've entitled the message this morning, Is There Any Hope Left for America? And to that I say yes. There definitely is. As you read the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, as you read through their prophecies, you cannot help but see the United States of America in their prophecies. It is really amazing when you take note of it. Isaiah chapter 1, for example, begins this way. Follow along as I read. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have what, church? They have rebelled against me. As Americans, we have also rebelled against God. Verse 4. Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Iniquity is knowing what's the right thing to do, but refusing to do it. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away Backward, does that not describe the spiritual condition of our land today? Why should ye be stricken anymore, or my judgment come upon you anymore? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The entire nation, from the head of the nation to the sole of its foot, was completely, spiritually, and morally bankrupt. They were sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither modified with ointment. Now drop down to verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. I believe there's a remnant today that are still being faithful to God. Except the Lord of hosts had left a very small remnant. He doesn't need a whole lot. He just needs a few. We should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like Gomorrah. Verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. 
To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices or your worship unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings, of rams and of fat and fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. And he goes on to describe their worship that he no longer accepted at their hand. Drop down to verse 16. Wash you, make you clean. Get cleaned up. Wash you. If America's going to be great, it's got to become good again. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil from your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Stop it. Stop sinning. Learn to do well. Do good. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widows. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Here's the hope for America. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today. We are in a desperate state in America. We have sinned greatly against you. We too have gone backward. And Father, I pray that you would stir a spirit of revival in the heart of your people here at Fellowship Baptist Church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now go over to chapter 13. Jeremiah prophesied and lived just prior to the Babylonian captivity. Because of Israel's waywardness, because of their rebellion... Because they had, what Jeremiah said, slid in backwards, God brought judgment upon them through the Babylonian captivity at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, listen, it was Isaiah that warned the people that this is going to happen if you don't repent. If you don't turn back to God, if you don't mend your ways, if you don't become good once again as a nation, the Babylonians are going to come. They did not repent. And the Babylonians came. Notice what it says in chapter 13 and verse 1. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amaz did see. And his prophecy comes true. And Israel then is taken captive out of the land. Why? Because they had rebelled against God. They had disregarded the law of God. And for this reason, God brought judgment Upon them. Go to the book of uh, Lamentations. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. We have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and then the book of Ezekiel. Lamentations was written as Jeremiah laments over the judgment that had come upon God's people. Lamentations chapter 1. Are you there? Say amen. Now, now listen, this is all important leading up to the message today. How doth the city sit solitary that was once full of people? How has she become a widow? She that was great among the nations and the princes among the province. How is she become tributary? How has she become a slave? She's now in captivity. She's now a servant to Babylon. Verse 2. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. They all forsook her. 
All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become now her enemies. Now look at verse 3. Judah is gone into what, church? Captivity. Judah is now in captivity. Now go to the book of Ezekiel. I want to take you over to Ezekiel chapter 22. Now Jeremiah and Ezekiel's, Ezekiel were contemporaries. That is that their ministries overlapped each other. Israel is now in the midst of the Babylonian captivity. God had raised up Nebuchadnezzar as an instrument of judgment to bring his people to repentance and restoration and blessing and fellowship, which he so desired with his chosen people. I believe he wants that again today for America. I was so grieved yesterday when I heard this. A young man by the name of Sam Blockledge. 18-year-old young man graduating from high school. He was the valedictorian of his class. That's something I couldn't even think about becoming. <laughs> and so as the valedictorian of his class, he used to give a speech. And he was a Christian young man, and in that speech, he had references to God, he had references to the Lord Jesus, stating the fact that he was a Christian, he attributed everything to the honor and glory of God. Ten minutes before he was to give his speech, the school administrator went up to him and said, you cannot give that speech unless you leave out any mention to God and the Lord Jesus in your speech. That young man, I praise God for young men who are willing to stand for the cause of Christ. He said, if I have to leave out my reference to my Savior, I will not give that speech. And he refused to give that speech. This was at West Prairie High School, Illinois. Who would, who would have thought that we would ever get to a place as a nation where we could not mention God's name or the name of Jesus at a commencement ceremony? When I graduated from high school, my father prayed over my graduation. I want to tell you something. Things have changed in America. What has changed? We have greatly now rebelled against the Lord. We have disregarded completely the law of God. And I'm here to tell you today, as a spokesman for the Lord, we are in great danger of judgment. We have to realize this. Ezekiel was a priest who was taken captive into Babylon with thousands and thousands of other exiles. Along with him were Daniel and his three friends we talked about Wednesday night, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they are now in captivity. Slaves, servants to Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. The nation had become demoralized spiritually. The people were in a a great state of spiritual blindness and hardness. As a nation, however, even under judgment, they continued in their apostasy. They persisted. And things continually worsened morally and spiritually. 
God's judgment had fallen upon the nation, but few within the nation even realized that they were under the chastising hand of an almighty God. They were so blinded by their sin. They were so spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, they didn't even realize that what was happening to them was a judgment from an almighty God. And it was for this reason that God raised up a voice. And that voice was Ezekiel the prophet, who God called to show the people their sin. Ezekiel, in his prophecy, warns of continued judgment, and that God's judgment would increase unless the people would repent of their wicked ways. It's kind of like the sanctions that the Trump administration has applied on North Korea, really putting the pressure on them until they'll give up their nukes. God was putting the pressure on Israel, trying to bring them to a point of repentance and a turning back to him. But the people were not listening. If the people would only listen, if they'd only turn back to God, he promised that blessings certainly would follow their repentance. So these prophets were, yes, I guess you could call them prophets of doom, but they were also prophets of great blessing. If the people would have responded. Go with me if you would, uh, keeping your place here in chapter 22. Let's go back to chapter 2. The book of Ezekiel. Here we find God's call upon the prophet Ezekiel. I'm going to pick up with verse 3. Love to hear those pages of the Bible turn. Good to see our young people turning pages in their Bible. Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 3. God's call upon Ezekiel. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. For they are impotent children, they are stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, and they, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall they know that there has been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee. And thou dost... Dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, neither be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. And he did. He took in all the words of the Lord. And then he gave those words to God's people. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all attempted. These were great prophets of God. They all attempted to bring Israel to a place of repentance and restoration by confronting their sin. Have you ever noticed people really don't like to be confronted with their sin? 
Confronting people concerning their sin has not made me a popular preacher. And it did not make the prophets popular as well. If you know anything about the prophets of God, for the most part, they were very much despised and hated by the people because they put their finger on the problem, and the problem has always been and always will be sin. God said to Ezekiel, Get behind the pulpit and blow the trumpet. I'm here to tell you today, we need more preachers to get behind the pulpit and blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. Warn the people. Whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman, that's what the preacher's called to be, that's what the prophet is called to be. But if the watchman see the sword come, if you see judgment is coming, and you don't blow the trumpet, and the people be not warned, his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. We have a tremendous problem in our land. And the problem is we no longer see sin as sin. And the main reason, I believe, I may be wrong, but the main reason we no longer see sin as sin is because the pulpit has become weak on preaching on sin. No, the prophets were not well loved by the people. But they spoke the truth and they had the answer. It's just that the people didn't want to hear it. Israel had sinned greatly, extremely backslidden. Ezekiel calls out her names of the sins that they were committing. We'll look at those in just a few minutes. Israel needed to repent or they would be in danger of being completely destroyed. And you listen to me here today, church family. God's word never fails. What God has promised, he will perform. And if God promised that judgment will come, judgment will come unless his people repent. Israel had to get back into a place of obeying God if they were ever going to be restored and experience God's blessing, peace, and prosperity once again. I believe with all my heart that our nation today is very similar to the nation of Israel of old. We are sick from the head to the foot. If you don't believe that, I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about the sin sickness that is now in our land and is tolerated and embraced. You've heard the little poem, Sin is a monster of such awful means, but to be hated needs but to be seen. But seen too oft familiar with face, we first pity and then we embrace. We have, listen, we have embraced the very sins that Israel 
had committed that Ezekiel is going to name, and we'll look at those, we have committed them and much more. According to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, approximately one-third of the entire population of the United States, that is 110 million people, now have sexually transmitted diseases. That'll tell you the moral state of our country. Every single year, there are 20 million new sexually transmitted diseases or cases in America. America has the highest sexually transmitted disease infection rate in the entire industrialized world. Americans ages 15 to 24 now account for 50% of all sexually transmitted diseases. It costs our nation approximately $20 billion a year to treat sexually transmitted disease. 24% of U.S. teens, 24% now have a sexually transmitted disease. In Chicago, public school kindergarten teachers are now required by law to set aside 30 minutes each month for sex education. The United States has the highest teen pregnancy rate of any country in the world. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 48% of teenagers are sexually active and approximately two-thirds engage in risky sexual behavior. I put risky there because it's so perverted I can't even name the behaviors our young people are involved in. One out of every 14 girls in the U.S. has at least one sexually transmitted disease. According to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, there are 747,408 registered sex offenders right now in the United States of America. There are 40,000 registered sex offenders in the state of Michigan. 19.3% of all women in the United States say that they have been raped at some point in their lives. Is this offending you? I hope that it does. It offends me. If this offends us, you can imagine how it offends a holy God. Teens between the age of 16 and 19 years of age are three and a half times more likely than the general population to be victims of rape or sexual assault. One in five women are victims of sexual violence. One in three women have been sexually harassed at work. 
It is estimated that one out of every four girls will be sexually abused before they become adults. 30% of the internet content is porn websites. 30%. 90% of teen boys and 60% of teen girls view porn on a regular basis. The average high school boy spends two hours on adult websites every single week. Law enforcement officials estimate that over 600,000 Americans view child porn online. 89% of all pornography is generated in the United States. One survey discovered that 25% of all employees that have internet access in America visit sex websites while they are on the job at work. Less than 20% of Americans now attend church on a regular basis compared to 100 years ago when almost everybody went to church. Some of you are old enough to remember when everything shut down on Sunday. Yes or no? I mean, I can vaguely remember it as a little boy. In the United States today, more than half of all couples move in together before they get married. The marriage rate in the United States has fallen now to an all-time low. America has the highest divorce rate in the world. America has the highest percentage of one-parent households in the entire world. Birth rates 75 years ago were 4.5 children. Today they're 1.8. Now you figure that out. According to the Pew Research Center, only 51% of all American adults are currently married. In 1960 it was 72%. For women under the age of 30 in the United States, more than half of all babies are born out of wedlock. Approximately one out of every three children in the United States lives in a home without a father. More than 57 million American babies have been slaughtered in this country since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Over and over again, the Bible talks about the shedding of innocent blood. Approximately 47% of women that have had an abortion have also had previous abortions. The number of American babies killed by abortion each year is roughly equal to the number of U.S. military deaths that have occurred in all the wars that the United States has ever been involved in. That should shake you to the very core of your being. About one-third of all American women will have an abortion by the age of 45. Approximately 3,000 Americans lost their lives as a result of the World Trade Center attack, 2011. Every single day, more than 3,000 American babies are killed by abortion. 
The United States has the highest abortion rate in the Western world. It has been reported that a staggering number, 41% of New York City pregnancies will end in abortion. Most women that get abortions in the United States claim to be Christians. 42% claim to be Protestant. 27 claim to be Catholic. 52% of all Afri African-American pregnancies end in abortion. I'm going to tell you something. That is genocide against the black community. 18% of all abortions in the United States are performed on teenagers. 68% of all abortions are done for the sake of convenience. A Department of Homeland Security released a report in January 2012 which stated that if you are anti-abortion, you are a potential terrorist. Some of you remember that during the Obama administration. Abortion clinics have been caught selling aborted baby parts to medical researchers. Planned Parenthood that was founded by Margaret Sanger. Now think about this. Planned Parenthood founded by Margaret Sanger. Which I'm going to tell you is probably one of the most evil, wicked women who ever lived. She stated this, and I quote, The most merciful thing that a family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Hello? I'm so upset with the Republican Party who said they would defund Planned Parenthood and they haven't done it. This evil woman is now praised in the halls of the U.S. Congress. Planned Parenthood performs over 300,000 abortions every year. Planned Parenthood specifically targets the poor. 72% of Planned Parenthood customers have incomes that are below the 150% federal poverty level. There are 30 Planned Parenthood executives that make over $200,000 a year, and there's a few of them that make more than $300,000 a year, all supported by our tax dollars. Planned Parenthood receives $528 million from us every year. I'm only halfway through this list. Are you getting it, church? The FDA is now actually considering, I couldn't believe this, I never heard of it, had to do a little research on this, considering making it legal for doctors and scientists to create a three-part baby. 
I said, what is a three-part baby? It's a human offspring produced from the genetic material of one man and two women through the use of assisted reproductive technologies. I'm going to tell you, we're going places we ought not to go. 59% of Americans now believe that the definition, the traditional definition of marriage needs to be changed. The number of sexual assaults in the U.S. military is at an all-time high, and the majority of them are male-on-male. In 2017, 85,000 military veterans were treated for sexual abuse that they suffered while they were in the military. The number of active members of the U.S. military that commit suicide each year now exceeds the number of those dying on the battlefield. 22 military veterans commit suicide every day. America has the highest incarceration rate and the largest total prison population in the entire world by huge margins. In America today, there are 60 million people that abuse alcohol, and there are 22 million people that use illegal drugs. According to a study conducted by the Mayo Clinic, nearly 70% of all Americans are on at least one prescription drug, and an astonishing 20% of all Americans are on at least five or more prescription drugs. We're drugging our people. Americans spend more than $280 billion on prescription drugs every year. Is there really that many sick people? According to the CDC, the opioid epidemic has now become a national crisis with 22 million Americans using illegal drugs on a daily basis and 54 million abusing prescription drugs. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, doctors in the United States write more than 250 million prescriptions, listen, for antidepressants every year. Right now, there are 70 million Americans that are taking mind-altering drugs of one form or the other. Children in the United States are three times more likely to be, to be prescribed uh, antidepressants than children in the rest of the world. Now we're drugging our kids. In the United States today, prescription pain killer kills prescription painkillers kill more Americans than heroin and cocaine combined. 59,000 drug overdoses in 2016. America has the highest rate of illegal drug usage in the entire world. According to the federal government, the number of drug addicts in the United States more than doubled. More than doubled since 2002. The number of heroin-related overdose deaths has risen 84% since 2010. The average U.S. household now owes $16,061 in credit card debt. Just credit card debt. 
Corruption is so rampant in our society, we now have investigators investigating the investigators. According to the FBI, there are now 330,000 active criminal gangs in the United States. The average young American will spend 10,000 hours playing violent video games before they are 21 years of age. And you don't think these violent video games have anything to do with all these school shootings? Almost 90% of all Americans from the age of 8 to 18 play violent video games And that approximately four times as many boys are addicted to video games as girls are. The average SAT scores in America have been falling for years. And the level of education that our kids are receiving in most of our public schools has now become a total joke. Fifteen-year-olds in American public schools don't even rank in the top half of all the industrialized nations in writing, reading, math, and science. Employers are finding it increasingly hard to find good employees. I, I have to read this to you. I know I wasn't going to get done with this message today. I don't know how many of you here have ever heard of Mike Rowe. He hosts a show called Dirty Jobs. Okay? His organization right now has over, has over a half a million dollars in scholarships that they want to give to young people to go to trade schools, but they cannot find young men and young women who are willing to sign what's called the sweat pledge. If they're willing to sign this pledge they will receive $15,000 for their education. The reason it's called the sweat pledge is skill and work ethics ain't taboo. I want you to listen to this. This is what they have to sign. He said, we cannot find young people who will sign this. Sign it, we'll give you $15,000 for your education. Number one, I believe that I won the greatest lottery of all times because I am alive. I walk on the earth and I live in America. Above all things, I am grateful. Number two, I believe that I, I, believe that I am entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, nothing more. I also understand that happiness and the pursuit of happiness are not the same thing. Number three, I believe there is no such thing as a bad job. I believe that all jobs are opportunities and it's up to me to make the best of them. Number four, I do not follow my passions. I bring them with me. I believe that any job can be done with passion and enthusiasm. Number five, I deplore debt and do all I can to avoid it. I would rather live in a tent and eat beans rather than borrow money to pay for a lifestyle I cannot afford. Number six, I believe that my safety is my responsibility. I understand 
that being in compliance does not necessarily mean I am out of danger. Number seven, I believe the best way to distinguish myself at work is to show up early, stay late, and cheerfully volunteer for every crappy job there is. Number eight, you never thought I'd say that word from the pulpit, did you? Number eight, I believe that most annoying sound in all the world is whining and complaining. I will never make them. If I'm unhappy at my work, I will find another job, or I will find a way to be happy. Number nine, I believe that my education is my responsibility and absolutely critical to my success. I am resolved to learn as much as I can from whatever source is available to me. I will never stop learning, and I understand that library cards are still free. Number ten, I believe that I am a product of... I believe that I am a product of my choices, not my circumstances. I will never blame anyone for my shortcomings or for the challenges I face. And I will never accept the credit for something that I didn't do. Number 11, I understand the world is not fair. Hey, that's okay with me. I don't resist other people being successful. Number 12, I believe that all people are created equal. I also believe that all people make choices. Some choose to be lazy. Some choose to sleep in. I choose to work my butt off. On my honor, I hereby affirm the above statements to be an accurate summation of my personal worldview. I promise that I will live by them. Cannot find young people to sign up for $15,000. There are more than 3 million reports of child abuse in the United States every year. According to the Pew Research Survey, 33% of Americans now reject. Only 33% of Americans now reject the theory of evolution. According to a U.S. Census Bureau, the number of Americans with no religious affiliation has doubled from 1990 to 2008. Pew Research Center article, the majority of U.S. Christian groups and churches now accept homosexuality. Remember what Isaiah said? You have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Second Peter 2.6 says these words. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Do you got it, church? Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. As I went through that list and I think about my ministry and what God has called me to do, I couldn't help but have my mind go to a young couple here 
a while ago, set right in the back. They actually came to, I said, I haven't seen you in church. Where are you? And I said, why don't you come Sunday? I want to talk to you. And they came and I sat down with them and I talked to them. I said, what's going on? I haven't seen you in church. They said, we're leaving. I said, why don't, I mean, I've pastored these young people their whole life. I said, why are you leaving our church? They said, because you preach too negative. I said, well, what do you mean I preach too negative? They said, you know what? You, you never preach about heaven. And just that Sunday, I preached on heaven. Seriously. Um, I just preached on it. He said, you don't ever preach about heaven. I just preached on it. They weren't listening. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm going to continue to preach on sin. The, 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 I'm not into this feel-good Preach a message thing. That's not going to do it, church. It's not the message the prophets preach, and it is not a message for our day. I wish it was a message for our day. I wish I didn't have to read a list like that. But that's not where we're at. Do you ever notice that God's blessings are conditional? If my people... Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a particular treasure unto me above all the people. For all the earth is mine. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 22. And we'll finish up. I'm going to come back to this tonight. Then we're going to pray for our young people who have been so highly influenced by this evil, wicked world. And we're going to pray for our country. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 1. Moreover, we have Isaiah, Jeremiah, now Ezekiel. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou shalt show her all her abominations. I want you to call them out. I'm not going to take time to read verse 3 through verse 13, but notice some of the sins that he calls out here. Killing of the innocent, the abusing of power, the taking advantage of the defenseless, the rejecting of God, the word of God, the moral standards of God, right and wrong. They had profaned the Sabbath. They had become self-seeking and pleasure-seeking. I'm going to tell you, we need to get back to the Sabbath. We need to get back to what the Ten Commandments say, and that is the Sabbath belongs unto the Lord. On that day you should do no work. You don't go to work on the Lord's day. It's His day. We don't get much amens about that anymore because we say, you know, I just have to work. It's the culture. i got to work on Sundays. They're requiring me to work. No, they cannot require you to work. And even if they did, do we not have a higher law to abide by? But yet you have profaned the Sabbath. They had committed lewdness, sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, sodomy, incest. There was the devaluation of life. They were dishonest, corrupt. They took brides, bribes. There was predatory lending practices. They were greedy of gain. There was extortion. And God says, they have forgotten me. 
Have we not sinned all these sins and many, many more? Look at verse 14. Can the heart endure? Can the hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? I, the Lord, have spoken it. I will do it. I will scatter thee among the heathen. I will disperse thee in the countries. I will consume thy filthiness out of thee. Verse 17, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, the house of Israel is become as dross. Verse 19, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because ye are all become dross, behold, therefore, I will gather you in the midst of Jerusalem. I will gather <coughs> as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin in the midst of a furnace to blow the fire upon it, to melt it. So will I gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there, and I will melt you. Yea, I will gather you and I will blow upon you the fire of my wrath and ye shall be melted in the midst thereof as silver is melted in the midst of the furnace so shall ye be melted in the midst thereof and ye shall know that I am the Lord have, have poured out my fury upon you. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art a land that is not cleansed and rained upon in the day of indignation. Are we a land that's not cleansed? Okay, that cleansing has to start right here. We have been so influenced and contaminated by this world that I believe this with all my heart, my dear church family, we have lost our salt and we have lost our light. And it's time that we get it back. Where does the blame lie for all of this? Look, look at verse 25. The blame lies with the preachers. There's been a conspiracy among her prophets. Verse 28 says they see vanity and they divine lies. They say, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord hath not spoken. There's a problem in the pulpit. Verse 26, there's a problem with the religious leaders who have violated the law of God. They have profaned the holy things. They refuse to put a difference between the holy and the profane, between the clean and the unclean. Listen, if I don't call something clean and unclean, who's going to do it? If our preachers don't do it, if our religious leaders don't do it, who in the world is going to do it? The problem is with the preachers. The problem is with the religious leaders. I could go on. Our, our time is gone. Look at verse 27. The problem is with the governmental leaders. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, uh, raving the prey, shedding blood, destroying souls, getting dishonest gain. Doesn't that sound like our politicians today? Should be there to serve us, but they're not there to serve us. They're serving their own self-interest. You got the preachers, you got the religious leaders. Verse 27, you have the political leaders. Verse 29, you have the citizens in general, the people of the land. Someone said, we get, the we get the leaders we deserve. 
What's the answer? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm discouraged. As a preacher of the gospel, as a preacher of the word, I'm discouraged. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I, I get discouraged when our members leave and go to the feel-good church up the road. That bothers me to death. You're right, Brother Raby, it should bother me. It bothers me when I see our group of young people right now that are the most carnal, the most worldly that I have ever pastored in my 36 years. That concerns me. We have a few that have a heart for God, but there's so few. What's the answer? Verse 30, verse 31, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found what? I found what? None. God's answer has always been the same. God's looking for a few good men. We're going to say, listen, I'm going to make up the hedge. As the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to make up a hedge. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to be a man of conviction. I'm going to be a fighting man. Uzziah had a host of men who were fighting men on his side. They did something for God. Listen, the picnic's over. This is a warfare we're in now. This is a warfare for the souls of our people and for our country. The only answer is a few good men. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.